Okay, we're going to start. First, let me say to all of you, and there was a team who uh, made uh, the whole church look very uh, Christmassy, and we want to say thank you. So would you, would you thank all those who uh, put time and energy? We appreciate uh, all of your efforts. Uh, today we're going to talk uh, about attention that I think most of us who've been in church for a while feel. And it's the tension that we feel that we know we have the greatest news that's ever been given, and it's changed our lives. And here's the tension. How do you share that with people? How do you go about What's the best approach to sharing the best news that you or I have ever been given? Uh, most of us have been around someone or maybe several someones who were uh, loud and aggressive, and forgive me, but uh, it's pretty obnoxious. And uh, they're very decision-centered, and they will buttonhole you, and they're going to push, and you will either say yes or no to them. You had those folks around before? and Maybe uh, you've even been trained in, in one of those methodologies. But uh, it seems that when you come right down people's throats, um, my opinion is that actually does more harm than good for the cause of Christ. So most of us are thinking, well, I don't, I don't, I don't like that approach. And then there is the philosophical apologetics approach, and you need to go into uh, deep arguments, and you've got all of these reasons and fancy arguments and you try to argue people into the kingdom. And first of all, most of us just aren't smart enough for that, okay? We just, I don't have the brain power. I'm not, sorry, I'm not Ravi Zacharias. That's never going to happen. And we just kind of give up. Or maybe we do have the brain power, but unfortunately, if you're not careful, you're talking arguments and philosophy, Myron, and you forget sin and forgiveness, and suddenly why would someone need a Savior unless they recognize they're a sinner in need of forgiveness. So that's oftentimes the problem with that strategy. Um, uh, the third strategy I would mention that uh, maybe most of us have, have adopted is what I call the silent witness, Ruth. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about Jesus. I'm just going to attempt to be living a life that's like Jesus, and maybe somebody will see that and say, hey, I like what you have. Would you lead me in the sinner's prayer. Um, uh, so uh, many of us, we, we're just quiet and we don't ever talk about Jesus. But boy, if somebody asked us to help them come to faith in Christ, we'd be ready to do that. Here, here's the problem with that approach. Almost no one ever asks us, please lead me in the sinner's prayer, Myron. I, I don't think that's ever happened before. Uh, so we're silent and we're quiet, and that's good that you're living like Jesus. But eventually, uh, you got to move beyond the silence. Today, I want to introduce to you another approach. Um, I, I believe that we're going to see today a balanced approach, and it is indeed a biblical approach because it's recorded in God's Word, and it's effective because we're going to see it works, and it works in this situation. And, uh, and again, even if uh, you're here and you're saying, you know, I'm not so sure about this, uh, it's, it's that balance between in your face, uh, overly zealous, overly down your throat, and laid back and never say anything. 
And I would argue this is that balance right there, not too hot, not too cold. It's a biblical sweet spot. And if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 8, a biblical balanced approach to sharing the good news. Acts chapter 8, we're going to start with verse uh, 26, and we're going to read down through verse 40. Um, Next Sunday, we're going to switch gears and look at the Christmas story for two Sundays. But today, we're going to close our fall season in the book of Acts, and we're going to see how we can go and speak up, but do it in a biblically balanced manner. Would you stand with me? Acts chapter 8, we'll start with verse 26, and uh, we're going to read out loud together. You ready? This is the word of God. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? himself or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Verse 37, Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, had appeared at Asdus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, recording this historical event for us. Lord, uh, you had Dr. Luke write this down, and you gave him the exact words to get down on parchment. And Lord, you've preserved these words all these years And Lord, I believe these words are quick and alive and relevant. And uh, Lord, I believe what uh, we just read has the ability to challenge us, to teach us, to correct us, 
to help us to learn to speak up. So, Lord, thank you for the uh, words that you've inspired him to write down. Thank you for the example of Philip. Lord, I pray that uh, each of us in your church at Walloon would be ready to follow his example. Lord, may, may we be willing to open up our mouths and speak just like Philip did to the people around us who are hungry to know truth. Lord, uh, make us aware. Make us alert. Open our eyes to the fact that most of the people around us are headed for a Christless eternity. Lord, help us to have the reality of judgment and the lake of fire become a part of our thinking. Lord, help us to realize that we have the answer. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for uh, the shed blood. Thank you, Lord, for that empty tomb. We rejoice, Lord, that you're alive and you're in the business of changing lives in 2013. So, Lord, we've seen that happen in our own lives. Now help us to find that balanced approach to share with folks as we go our ways. Lord, we invite, like we do every Sunday, your word and your spirit to come together in combination to powerfully impact your church. So, Lord, we invite your spirit to come and settle in. We drink streams of living water to flow in your church even right now. Flow more than just in this place, but flow personally, individually in our hearts and our lives and our minds. Lord, help us to hear clearly from you. Speak, Lord, uh, your church. We're, we're listening today. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said with joy in their hearts. You may be seated. Let's review Dr. Luke's uh, historical account of this uh, really interesting uh, event. Verse 26, an angel of the Lord um, speaks to Philip. And I could take you about 20 other times the angel of the Lord shows up uh, most recently to uh, shepherds in the field. Uh, the angel of the Lord shows up. But now this uh, angel of the Lord shows up to Philip and who is Philip again? He was one of the seven deacons chosen in Acts chapter 6 to take care of the widows and the needy, okay? So he's already been appointed, and uh, we saw last week he's down sharing with the Samaritans, uh, the folks that uh, none of the Jews liked. So the Lord tells Philip, okay, I know good things are happening here in Samaria, but I want you to leave, and I want you to go down to Gaza, about a 60-mile trip, and I want you to go to this kind of unknown, generic desert location. Now, just think with me. You're Philip. You've been down, and you're speaking to Samaritans, and there's revival going on, and lots of folks are responding, and now the voice says, go. And I'm just going to send you down to this location. And I can think of lots of reasons why Philip would have said, I, I don't think so. Um, good things are happening. Why would you expect me to leave? Uh, it's hot. It's too hot. I don't like walks. I don't want a 60-mile walk. I'm too busy. I've got a headache. 
Can you think of some other reasons why? Uh, but anyway, but verse 27, but he starts out on his way. Two things to catch here. Philip was willing to listen to the voice of the Lord. Secondly, he was willing to be obedient to what the clear voice of the Lord said. Um, when, the, when the message was clear, hey, Philip, I want you to go here. There's no arguing. There's no negotiating. Philip goes. So, here's my question. If the voice of the Lord were to talk to you this week, Perry, do you think you'd hear him? Do you think you would hear the Lord if he showed up and, and he spoke clearly to you? Do you think that you would be able to hear him in the busyness and the clutter and the rush of your life? Second, if you did hear the clear voice of the Lord, how would you respond? Would you want to go into negotiation mode? Um, I'm really busy this afternoon, Lord. Um, maybe next week sometime I can fit in what you're asking me to do. And, and, and maybe uh, if I can find a convenient time, then I'll obey what you're making clear for me to do now. And uh, much like we tell our children, Myron, um, if we put off obedience, in other words, delayed obedience, what is that? That's called disobedience, okay? So, so a lot of times, oh, well, I'll do it, Lord, but, but, but on my own time, on my own terms. And that's called disobedience. Verse 27, so Philip started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Did you know that, John? Lori, were you aware that this is a queenly royal title? Uh, and oh, by the way, Candace would not have been her name. That was like the title of all of the queens in Ethiopia, kind of like the pharaohs in Egypt. Uh, the guy wasn't named Pharaoh. That was the title. Candace was her title. The Caesars in Rome, um, that was their title. This was the title of the queen of Ethiopia, and I could tell you a lot about it. It's really interesting. But the kings, are you ready? The kings were thought to be descendants of the gods, uh, much, much too divine to actually be involved with humans. So the kings of Ethiopia, they, they were ruling, but they didn't reign. In other words, they were king, and they walked around and looked kingly, but they were too above everything to actually do anything. So guess who the movers and the shakers in Ethiopia were? It, it was the queens. It was the Candaces, and they were the ones who made all the decisions. They controlled all the moving and shaking. So now suddenly understand, this was somebody who was not just related to the king, but the queen who was the mover and shaker in Ethiopia. She, and this man was the queen's banker, the minister of finance, a lot like Joseph, when he was in charge of everything under Pharaoh. Uh, it says that he was also a eunuch, uh, PG-13. Um, sexual organs were often removed. Why? Um, it made you incredibly loyal. Uh, there was no family, there was no wife to be a distraction. And as you look at kings and queens down through the centuries, 
oftentimes the motive, kill the king, kill the queen, put my family in place. It took away that motive uh, for wanting to get rid of it. It just really, really freed them up to just focus totally on their job, okay? Uh, Probably this was true for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as well. Verse 27, this man, the Ethiopian eunuch, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Verse 28, and on his way home, back to northern Africa, okay, this is, this is south of Egypt, uh, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. This man was hungry for truth. This man was searching to know the God of the Bible. You need to know something. Scrolls of the Old Testament were two things, rare and really expensive. So it was really hard to get a scroll of the Old Testament. And if you did get one, you paid a lot of money. So most people no way could afford uh, because some scribe had to carefully write it down on very expensive parchment typically okay now now it says he had gone verse 27 look back to worship Uh, likely this was a proselyte gentile he now was believing in the god of the old testament and he went there to worship maybe at a feast perhaps at one of the festivals of the jews and he went hungry for truth this guy traveled a thousand miles from ethiopia to jerusalem And now he's left, and he's still searching. He's still yearning to know the God of the Bible. That's what you need to know here, okay? And now he's sitting here on the side of the road, headed back home, and what's he doing? What's it say? He's still sitting in reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet, okay? He wants to know for himself the Messiah, the God of the Jews. Can I just say something? You and I have people like this guy all around us. In northern Michigan, there are people just like this who live next door to us. Some of you have neighbors. Some of you have people that you work with. Some people who are part of your family, and they're just like this guy. They're hungry to know truth. They're hungry and they're thirsty for answers. They need to know the God of the Bible, they realize, I've got this empty part in my life. I've got this hole in my, in my soul, and I'm constantly shoving things in there, trying to make that, that soul, that empty part, be filled. And they're trying all sorts of things, and, and I would call those dry wells that they're shoving into that, that empty void in their life. Each and every one of us, there's lots of these guys around us. And notice how Philip approaches this sort of a person. Verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Verse 30. Then Philip went up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. Verse 31. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Um, Philip listens and obeys. I like that. 
Okay? He, he listened again to the prompting of the Spirit, stood there, didn't know where he was going, now he's there, and now the Lord makes himself clear, and he obeys what the Lord had whispered to him. And now let me ask another question. Who around you might the Lord be whispering to you to talk to about Jesus and his word? I believe the Lord still does this. I believe the Lord still whispers and prompts and nudges us and says, okay, speak up now. Now's your time. Who around you might the Lord be whispering and prompting and nudging for you to talk to about Jesus and his word? And notice what the Ethiopian was reading in Isaiah. It's from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open up his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? Now, when we read that, verses 7 and 8, it's clear to us, who was this passage talking about? Anybody? What's the answer? It has Jesus written all over it. And there's so much Jesus all over this, Maybe you didn't know this, but in the daily readings of the uh, Jewish calendar of readings, guess what? They don't include Isaiah 53. I wonder why. I wonder why, Peter, they wouldn't include Isaiah 53. Uh, it's, it's much too confusing. You, you wouldn't understand. And, and they just kind of leave Isaiah 53. It, it's actually much too convicting. It's much too clear. It, it's pretty clear. It's Jesus just, just avoid it. Verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who's, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? It's almost like uh, the eunuch puts the ball on the tee and, and screams at Philip, hit it! And he answers, and he answers, and he says, uh, it's, it's someone else, verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. Told him the good news about Jesus. Can, can I just tell you something? This is what we're about as a church. We're, we're about taking God's word, opening it up, and then pointing people to the object, the chief central figure of history, and his name is Jesus. That, that's what we're about as a church. And, and I would argue that's what we're about as members of this church. We're all about knowing God's word and then taking God's word and pointing people to the cross, pointing people to Jesus Christ as the chief life changer in all of the universe. That's, that's what he is. We're called to teach and preach and talk about the word, but then point to the central figure of the word, which is Jesus Christ, okay? Um, that's why for decades, Pastor Bob has been opening up God's Word and going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and working through long, usually books of the Bible. Right now, Wednesday nights, Matthew, okay? So, so we've been doing this for a long, decades Bob's been doing this. Uh, that's why every Sunday we open up God's Word, Okay? And the first Sunday that we don't open up God's Word, are you ready? I tell people this all the time. Ready, Jason? That should be my last Sunday, okay? 
So you call a meeting. First Sunday, we don't open up God's word. That's my last Sunday. See you, Pastor Jeff. We need someone who's going to open up God's word and point us to Jesus and the cross. That's what it's all about. has to be. That's what Jason is doing over at East Jordan Community Church. Carefully teaching, preaching God's word, and then pointing people to the central character, Jesus Christ. Old Testament looks forward to it here in Isaiah 53. 800 years, by the way, before Jesus went to the cross. 800 years that was written. And the New Testament looks back to the cross. Okay, It's what it's all about. People like the Ethiopian eunuch all around us. All around you. So, lots of reasons and excuses that Philip could have used to justify not speaking up here. Think with me now. Uh, he listened, and now he's there, and now the Spirit prompts him and says, Go, and I want you to go talk to this guy. Now you're Philip there. What are some of the excuses and reasons you could have come up with for not going and talking? Okay, let me, let me give you a few. Um, there were racial differences. Um, he was a Greek, and this guy was uh, a black man from northern Africa, and they don't get along, and they don't talk to each other, and they don't mingle, okay? That would have been an excuse he could have used. Um, there was religious differences. Philip was a Jew. This guy was a Gentile. He didn't know about him being... Uh, I can't, I'm sorry, we don't go near Gentiles. I'm not going near that chariot. Uh, there were vocational differences. Um, at this point, Philip was an evangelist. This guy was the queen's money man. Um, I don't speak his language. I, I don't think he'd listen to me. There were socioeconomic reasons why he could have ducked. Philip was poor. This guy was mega rich, powerful, influential. And now, i got to go talk to this guy, and, and he runs with the bigwigs of this world? I don't think so. I don't think so. Physical differences. Think about it. He just walked 60 miles. When you walk 60 miles and it's really hot, tell me what happens. Anybody? Hot, sweaty, dirty, and now you got this guy who's uh, the, the queen's money man, likely in a cool, clean silk robe and turban. Um, I don't think so. He doesn't want to talk to a sweaty guy uh, who's come 60 miles right now. Uh, the eunuch's guards. Uh, maybe they might have thought this was a robber, a terrorist, and could have killed him. That would have been a good excuse. Or maybe they just would have thought, this guy's a crazy fool, keep him away. So I'm not going to risk that. Catch this, are you ready? Philip overcomes all of the excuses and goes ahead and does exactly what the Lord's called him to do. He overcomes all the excuses, all of the reasons to not go and speak to this man, and he winds up leading him to faith in Jesus Christ. So, here's what I would say. I think there's some good stuff for us to learn here. I think there's some ways that Philip deals with the Ethiopian official that you and I can learn from. And I'd like to close our time. I'm going to list four of them, okay? So if you've got a pen, write it down. And uh, these are some of the specifics that we should catch. That This biblical sweet spot, the middle ground, not too hot, not too cold, right here in the middle. What can we learn from Philip and how he 
goes about leading this man to Christ. First of all, Philip shows sensitivity to the message that he was given, okay? Effective evangelism, are you ready? Always begins with us being sensitive to the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, okay? So it's going to require that we stay connected to Christ. If you want to share and be effective in sharing Christ with people, you're going to have to be walking with Christ and connected to Christ and filled with His Spirit. And obviously that was true in Philip's case. He's, he's paying attention. He's full of the Spirit, Jeff. And now when the Spirit leads, he's listening and he's ready to respond. Verse 26, when the angel speaks, and later when the Holy Spirit directs, verse 29, Philip says, I know that's you, and he's willing to be interrupted. Willing to be interrupted. I'd like to suggest one more time. You ready? The Lord's still doing this all the time. He's always prompting and whispering and nudging us, just like he did with this man concerning the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm going to be blunt here. Are you ready? Two problems. First, a lot of the time we're walking around full of the flesh, I didn't take time to get full of the Spirit. I didn't take time to get connected and abide with Christ. Second problem, when the Lord does speak, I don't hear Him. I'm too busy. I'm too scheduled. Life's too hectic. I've got the tunes turned up way too loud to listen to the still, small voice of the Lord. Um, again, I'm just telling you, if you're so preoccupied with this life that you can't allow the Lord to speak and nudge and whisper and prompt and point out to people who need you to speak up, probably never going to be very effective at sharing your faith. Uh, second thing we can learn from Philip's encounter here, he was patient and tactful with this Ethiopian official. Okay? He doesn't go to him and instantly ambush him with the Roman's road. Uh, he didn't walk up to him and say, okay, uh, I, I just want to read and, and then start citing scriptures and cramming the four spiritual laws down this man's throat. Instead, he goes up to him and he listens and he asks him a simple question. What was the question? Do you understand what you're reading? Did you notice he's just paying attention? He sees the guy's reading and it's pretty obvious that this is a scroll. Uh, do you understand what you're reading? He goes... He listens, and he carefully answers the man's questions. This, this is the point. Are you ready? You need to begin with people where they're at. And that means you're going to have to pay attention, and you're going to have to listen. And as they speak, you're listening, and then you'll work with them from where they are at. Way too often, we're going in, and I've got my strategy, and no matter where this person is, we're going here, 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 and here. That's not what Philip does at all. Um, he's not offensive. He's not rude. He's not condescending. He listens. He answers. And he focuses squarely on where this man was at spiritually. Third thing we can learn from Philip's divine encounter is this. He was precise and focused on talking about Jesus Christ. Okay? Once he's listened and he's responded to the man's questions, he knew exactly where he was going, and he was going to make a beeline where, Aaron? 
to the cross and to Jesus Christ. And that's something that we need to remember, okay? Ultimately, if you're going to talk to somebody about their faith and their future, their eternal destiny, it's all about who? Jesus Christ, okay? Eventually, you, you can't lead someone to eternal life unless they go to the cross and they talk about Jesus Christ. And, and that's where we, we sometimes we get off track, and I'm talking politics, and then we're going current events or religion or denominations, or we're talking lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. No, they need to hear about Jesus, okay? Gently, tactfully, patiently, but, but we need to take them on a direct path to Jesus. That's, that's the goal, okay? We're, we're going to eventually move because that's the answer. And the fourth thing we learn from Philip's dealing with the royal official, look at verses 36 to 38, okay? Um, he invites the eunuch to make a decision, okay? So he presents Jesus, and then it's clear he asks the man to make a decision, and then the man does, and he responds that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord, okay? Verse 37. How many of you are fishermen? Can I see your hands? Okay. I'm not currently, but I've spent my time in the boat, okay? And here's what I've learned. If you're a bass fisherman, okay, Aaron, I'm fishing for a bass. You got a big one now, okay? Um, and now you bring them up to the boat, but you forgot that little thing called the, the net. You got a problem, don't you? Because now if you got a big old bass, how are you going to get that guy in, in the boat and, and Good chance, Myron, you're not going to do it, okay? Because if you just try to lift him out of the water, uh, you lost him. Might I suggest that many of us either don't have a net <laughs> or we've never how learned how to use the net and bring the fish into the boat? Remember what Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of who? Not bass, fishers of men. So we need to be effective fishers of men, and part of that means I need to learn how to bring the fish into the boat. And clearly, Philip knew how to bring this man into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, as we close today, I, I'm going to show you how to use the net, okay? So we're going to close today, and here's, here's the net for us. 1 Corinthians 15 lists out the gospel facts. And uh, we're going to look at the gospel facts, and we're going to use the net, and uh, I'll show you how to go about using the net when we close today. And I like the fact that he doesn't quit with believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior. What does he do then? Verses 38 and 39. Oh, and there's one more step. What should you do? What, what, what happens at the end? You, you need to get baptized. You need to get baptized, and sure enough, that's exactly what happens. And let me just say this, it's hard to read verses 38 and 39 and not see baptism by immersion, okay? You try to read those verses and not see this guy going under the water. It's hard because he's going into the water and coming up out of the water. Having said that, okay, let me contradict myself, okay? Just this last week, I baptized someone who is too sick to go under the water. And uh, this person really wanted to be baptized, and it just wasn't possible. Physically too sick to, uh, to actually do that. 
Um, so uh, we poured water, we used water, and uh, this person went public before her family. Okay? So I just want you to know the most important thing here is not the method of baptism. The most important thing is the heart that wants to follow Jesus and go public with their love for Jesus Christ. Okay? Our series, Book of Acts, is entitled, what's our series title? Anybody remember? What is it? What is it? Okay. Balcony, what is it? Don't look at them right now because they're a little embarrassed. <laughs> Go. <laughs> the command of the resurrected Jesus Christ was to go. Go where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That was the command of the resurrected Christ. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And here, are you ready? And while you're going, here was the promise, you will be empowered to share Jesus everywhere you go. You understand? That's what the book of Acts is all about. Go local as you stay close here in the Midwest, as you move throughout the United States and until the ends of the earth, you go and everywhere you go, everybody you encounter, share the good news of Jesus. Okay? I'm convinced that's what he expects for us today. It hasn't changed. The marching orders have not changed. I'm just telling you, we know Jesus. Do we not? And has he changed your life? Maybe if he hasn't changed your life, maybe you have nothing to be excited about. Maybe you don't have anything to share. But if Jesus Christ has changed your life from the inside out, if the old is gone and the new has come, this is our command. This is our mandate. Would you be willing to be interrupted this next week? If the Lord whispers and prompts and nudges you? If the Lord just nudges you a little bit and says, uh, go over there and talk to that person. And, and now you're going to politely, gently, sensitively, graciously, tactfully walk over and just meet them where they're at. Lord, here we go. And, and I'm going to look for an opportunity to answer their questions and then gently point them to your son, Jesus Christ. That's the command. It, it's really not complicated. It, it, it really isn't so overwhelming. It, it's just gently listening and then willing to respond to the opportunities. Here's my question. As we close this fall chapter in the book of Acts... Would you willing, are you willing to say, you know what, I, I realize that is the command for the early church, but that's the command for the church at Walloon as well. And Lord, you can count me in. I, I'm ready. I, I'm ready to follow the example of Philip. I'm, I'm ready to listen. And as you speak, and I'm going to make sure I get connected, and then all throughout the day I'm going to be listening. And if you want me to speak up, I'm, I'm ready. I, I may have to turn the volume down, I may have to maybe reschedule something else because if you're showing me something, Lord, that's, that's number one. Won't be any delayed obedience here. I, I'm going to do whatever it takes here. Here I am. Lord, use me. I'm going to ask you about that as we close today. And then uh, right after I ask that question, I'm going to pray for you, then we're going to out loud proclaim the gospel facts. Okay? 
So that's how we're going to close today. We're going to proclaim the gospel facts. And, and maybe you're wondering, why would we do that? We're going to do it out loud for three reasons. You ready? Number one, we reaffirm the facts that changed our life. It's good for us to reaffirm the facts that make us a follower of Jesus Christ. Secondly, it's going to remind us, oh yeah, that's the net that I can use. These are the facts that I can use to help somebody become a follower of Jesus Christ. And the third reason we're going to do that, there may be somebody here today You've never said yes by faith to Jesus. You've never become a follower of Jesus Christ by crossing the bridge of the cross. And today for you, maybe that day of salvation. And today you can come into the boat and become a follower of Jesus Christ. So bow your heads, shut your eyes, and I want to ask you, are you open this next week, Lord? As you speak, as you make yourself clear, I'm willing to respond. I'm willing to graciously, sensitively, tactfully be alert and sensitive to the folks around me who need to hear about you. And Lord, it's a command you've given me, and I realize, Lord, that maybe I haven't been listening very close. This next week, Lord, you can count me in. Count me in. I'm, I'm willing to be interrupted. I'm willing to, uh, to uh, listen close and go and be your spokesman regarding the greatest good news that's ever been shared. Anybody say, count me in, count me in. Yeah, count me in. Lord, I'm willing to be interrupted. Anybody in the balcony, count me in. Yeah, see your hands. Yeah, yeah. Lord, uh, I pray for myself and my friends who are ready and willing to be interrupted and to open to sharing about your son Jesus. Lord, you bring just the right people around our path. And Lord, may we be alert and sensitive and open to hearing your prompts and your whispers as you show us people around us who were just like this Ethiopian official we, we looked at in Acts chapter 8. Lord, may we be patient and tactful. Help us to listen. Help us to understand exactly where they're at. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us just the right path in that conversation to pay, take people to the cross, take people to your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, help us to finish the conversation. Lord, help us to learn how to bring the fish into the boat. Lord, help us to know how to bring people into a personal relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, as we close, we're grateful for the gospel facts. Thank you, Lord, for 1 Corinthians 15. Lord, thank you that the facts are clear and concise. And Lord, now as we reaffirm these facts that have changed our lives, we rejoice in them. Lord, may these facts be a reminder so that all of us can know them and use them as we go. And finally, Lord, if there's anybody here who doesn't know your son, Jesus Christ, personally. Lord, if there's anybody here today who's never said yes by faith, if, if Jesus would look at them right now and say, I never knew you, may they today realize their lostness. May they realize they need your son, Jesus, and what he did for them on the cross. 
May today they become one of your children by faith. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the gospel facts. Let's declare them out loud together. Would you please repeat after me, Jesus, I believe. You are the sinless Lamb of God. And Jesus, I believe that you alone are qualified to take my place on the cross. And Jesus, I believe that you shed your blood for my greatest problem in life. And that's that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I believe that you took my place in the tomb. And Jesus, I believe early on Sunday morning that you didn't stay dead. Because Jesus, I believe early on Sunday morning you literally arose from the dead for me. And you're alive right now. And right now, by faith, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and Lord. As a choice of my will, I say take charge of my life. Be my king, my boss, my Lord. I follow you all the days of my life. And all the church at Walloon Lake said, those are the facts. Those are the facts. And if you did that for the first time today, if you really crossed the bridge with those facts, make sure you tell somebody. We've got a prayer team. They'd love to hear about that. Speak to somebody at the door. Let's sing to the king of the gospel, Jesus Christ, as we close. Would you stand?